Welcome to the Banner of Truth broadcast. This program is brought to you by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. Your host is Pastor Jack Schumann, pastor of the Emmanuel Free Reformed Church of Abbotsford, British Columbia. And now, here is Pastor Jack Schumann. I invite you to turn with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 8, as we read the verses 6 through 13. And these verses also form the text for the sermon. Hear God's holy word. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. And a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Then the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. And I looked, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth! because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. This ends the reading of the Holy Word of God. May the Lord bless the reading and preaching of his word to our hearts. Dear friends, the trumpet is one of the loudest instruments invented by man. It works, as you know, by blowing air through a metal tube or an animal's horn. This amplifies the sound to such an extent that the blast of a single trumpet can be heard from a great distance. Well, our text today describes what will happen when the angels of God blow on the seven trumpets. Now, we're first introduced to these seven trumpets in chapter 8, the verses 1 through 6. These verses describe the opening of the seventh seal. The other six seals are described in the previous chapter, in chapter 7. Now, upon opening this seventh seal, John tells us that there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Following this, John saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given these seven trumpets. Each of these trumpets unleashes a judgment of God upon the earth. The blasting of these seven trumpets marks the third cycle of seven visions in the book of Revelation. Each of these cycles is structured around the number seven. There are seven letters to the churches, there are seven seals, and now there are seven trumpets. Later on in the book, we will hear of seven thunders and seven bowls. 
Now, as mentioned before in this series, this repetition of the number seven offers us a clue as to how this book is to be read and interpreted. Revelation gives us several glimpses of the same picture, but from different perspectives. There's a cyclical nature to the book that offer us recurring glimpses of the work of Christ in the unfolding of his providential purposes. And it shows us how the reigning Lord Jesus Christ brings the purposes of God to fulfillment in salvation and judgment, and it does so from several different angles. Think of a movie. In a movie, the same event is often captured from different angles. The same is true here. The seven trumpets offer us a differing perspective on the events that will occur between Christ's ascension into heaven and his second coming. And as such, the seven seals and the seven trumpets serve to complement and build on each other. In his commentary on this book, Derek Thomas observes that the seals view the unfolding of the redemptive purposes of God from the point of view of the Lord's own people, those who are his, those who are sealed, whereas the trumpets view this same reality from the point of view of the unsealed, those who are not his, those who are not the people of God. The opening of the seals brings great consolation to the people of God, but the sounding of the trumpets brings great woes upon those who are not the people of God. The seals are comforting, whereas the trumpets are warnings. In fact, in the Old Testament, trumpets were often used to sound a warning to the enemies of God and his people. That was the meaning of the trumpets that Joshua blew outside Jericho. Likewise, Gideon's 300 men blew trumpets and God threw the host of Midian into confusion and defeat. And that's exactly the idea here. This is the background to our text. The seven trumpets announce the judgments of God on the wicked and the unbelieving. Now, we don't have time to reflect on all seven trumpets today. Instead, we'll focus our attention only on the first four of these trumpets. And that's because, like the first four seals, the first four trumpets belong together. For one thing, they all involve an aspect of creation. And for another thing, they are less severe than the remaining three trumpets, as the angel himself says in verse 13. And so with this in mind and God's help, let's reflect on The words of our text under the theme, the blasting of the first four trumpets. And we'll see that this blasting serves, first of all, as a warning to the wicked, and secondly, as a comfort for believers. John is still in the throne room of heaven. After the opening of the seventh seal, the seven angels prepare to sound their seven trumpets. And with each blast of these trumpets, God sent a specific judgment on the earth. Now, as I mentioned a moment ago, each of the blasts of the first four trumpets relate to the natural world. So, for example, the sounding of the first trumpet brings down God's judgment on the earth's vegetation. We read in verse 7 that the sounding of the first trumpet, hail and fire mingled with blood, were thrown to the earth, and a third of the trees and the grass were burned up. 
The sounding of the second trumpet brings down God's judgment on the earth's seas. So we read in verses 8 and 9 that with the sounding of this trumpet, something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The sounding of the third trumpet brings down God's judgment on inland waters. So we read in verses 10 and 11 that with the sounding of this trumpet, a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. And the name of the star was Wormwood. And when the star landed on the waters, a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. And so the sounding of the fourth trumpet brings down God's judgment on the sky. Again, we read in verses 12 and 13 that with the sounding of this trumpet, a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. Now, what does all this mean? What do these trumpets symbolize? Well, before we answer that question, a few matters need to be made clear. First of all, we must avoid connecting each judgment with a specific event in history. As is the case throughout the book of Revelation, the judgments of the seven trumpets are not to be interpreted literally, but rather symbolically. This cannot be emphasized enough. Popular Christian literature tends to look for events that present some similarity with the judgments of Revelation 8 and 9, and then declare that these prophecies have been fulfilled in our time. Now, this is not to say that Revelation does not depict literal history. It most certainly does. But before we make any connection to what is happening in the world today, we need to understand the symbols behind each vision. The second thing we need to be clear on is this. When interpreting Revelation, we must always compare Scripture with Scripture. In particular, we must understand the Old Testament background to each vision. We simply cannot understand most of the visions in Revelation without understanding the Old Testament. Understanding the Old Testament is absolutely key to our interpretation. And the same applies here as well. One commentator remarks, and I quote, John draws his images from the Old Testament, and it is from there, not today's newspapers, that we will understand the visions of the seven trumpets, end quote. So with that in mind, what do these visions mean? Well, let's consider the first trumpet. As we've already observed, at the sound of the first trumpet, hail and fire mingled with blood were thrown to the earth, and a third of the trees and the grass were burned up. Now this should remind us of something, something that happened in the Old Testament. God sent a similar plague on the land of Egypt, resulting in the death of many people and many animals. But the plague mentioned here strikes not just one nation, but the whole earth, although only one third of its vegetation is destroyed. Now in scripture, store images like we have here can symbolize historical judgments against nations. For example, in Psalm 18, verses 11 to 14, we read of God summoning himself with, surrounding himself rather, with thick, dark clouds, 
casting hail and fire upon his enemies with thunderings and lightnings. And in Isaiah 28, verses 1 to 3, Isaiah declares that the Lord will come like a tempest of hail and a destroying storm, like a flood of mighty waters overflowing, and will bring down his enemies to the earth with his hand and trample them under his feet. And in Isaiah 30, verses 30 and 31, we read that God will come with the indignation of his anger and the flame of a devouring fire with scattering tempest and hailstones. And so what John is saying is that throughout the New Testament dispensation, God will come in judgment against the nations. He may not always do it with literal hail and fire, but he will judge them, just as he judged the land of Egypt. Now with the sounding of the second trumpet, something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. Again, this second trumpet reminds us of the time that Moses plunged his staff into the Nile River and made its waters turn to blood. And as a result, the fish died, the water stank, and it could no longer be used for drinking. Well, the same thing is happening here. Only in this case, there is a major disruption in shipping which the world depends on for its economic well-being, as one-third of the ocean-going vessels will be destroyed. Now, this certainly would have resonated with the first readers of this book in the first century AD, because the Roman Empire was heavily dependent on shipping to meet its economic needs. Now, central to this plague is the vast mountain that is set on fire and then cast into the sea. You notice it's not an actual mountain, but something like a mountain. Now, what does this mean? Well, this language comes from the book of Jeremiah, where God calls Babylon a destroying mountain, which destroys the whole earth. Jeremiah 51, verse 25. In a response, God says, I will stretch out my hand against you and make you a burnt mountain. Verse, verse 25. And then to destroy Babylon as though he had cast it into the sea, verse 42. So the Babylon of John's day was Rome, just as it had been Egypt during the days of Moses. And so this trumpet depicts the destruction of the world empires. They will be cast down like a mountain set on fire and cast into the sea. And did that not in fact happen? How many world empires have come and gone throughout history? We can think of the Assyrian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, the empires of Greece and Rome, the British Empire, the Third Reich in Germany. What's left of these empires today? Nothing. In some cases, all that is left are ruins of old buildings. And which nation is next? Canada? The United States? And which nation will rise to ascendancy over all the others? Will it be India or communist China? Time will tell. With the sounding of the third trumpet, a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. Now the star here may be an allusion to Isaiah 14, verses 12 to 15. There God compared the king of Babylon to a fallen star. 
And like Satan before him, Nebuchadnezzar would seek to exalt himself above God, saying in his heart, above the stars of God, I will set my throne on high. I will make myself like the most high. We read of that in Isaiah 14, 13 and 14. And then God will come in judgment and he will declare you are brought down to Sheol to the far reaches of the pit. Now John goes on to tell us that the name of this star is Wormwood. As the star fell on the waters, John says a third of the waters became Wormwood and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. Now Wormwood is a foul herb that made water undrinkable. And the Bible often associates wormwood with bitterness. You can think of Lamentations 3, verse 15 and, and verse 19. Now, the king of Babylon represents all of the idolatrous nations and empires throughout history. The bitter water signifies bitter experiences like invasion and defeat and exile, all of which are characteristic of every world empire. And so the message here is that God will destroy all of these great empires. They will fall from the sky like a shooting star. And when that happens, the people within these empires will experience great bitterness, like drinking water mixed with wormwood. They will experience mental and physical and emotional and spiritual distress. In Jeremiah 9, verse 15, God says concerning his idolatrous people, I will feed this people with bitter food and give them poisonous water to drink. And that's exactly what has happened time and time again throughout history. And it's still happening today. The nations of the earth are still drinking and getting drunk on wormwood. And it will eventually result in the destruction of our nations and our entire civilization and leave a horrible, bitter taste in our mouth. Now with the sounding of the fourth trumpet, a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. And we read here that a third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. Now, this plague also reminds us of one of the plagues of Egypt. You may remember in Exodus chapter 10, we read that God placed Egypt under a plague of darkness for three days, while light continued to shine on the land where the Israelites lived, the land of Goshen. And such will be the case in the New Testament dispensation. God will plunge whole nations and empires into darkness. Now, what is this darkness? What does it represent? Well, it can, resent, it can represent the removal of God's blessing. And this is why darkness descended on the cross while Jesus bore the penalty for our sins. To fall under the curse of darkness is to be condemned, con condemned from sin and cut off from any blessing from God who is pure light. Now, do we not live in such a period today? Our nation, the nation of Canada, the United States, most of the nations of the Western world are in a state of great spiritual darkness. We know almost nothing of God and his word, nor do most people care. God has removed the candlestick from our nations, and time will tell what the consequences of this will be. We see it happening already now in our society. But this darkness could also refer to conquest by a foreign power. 
In Ezekiel 32, verses 7 and 8, God says to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, when I put out your light, I will cover the heavens and make its stars dark. I will cover the sun with a cloud and the moon shall not give her light. All the bright lights of the heavens I will make dark over you and bring darkness upon your land, says the Lord God. Now God here is referring to the future conquest of Egypt by the Babylonians. For Egypt, it will be like being plunged into utter darkness. The point is that darkness will come upon many nations of the earth. But notice it will not come upon all the nations of the earth. Just as only one-third of the trees and the grass will be destroyed, one-third of the sea will be turned to blood, one-third of the ships will be sunk, one-third of the fish will die, one-third of the waters will become wormwood, so one-third of the sun, one-third of the moon, one-third of the stars will be darkened. Now it's hard to imagine only part of the sun and moon shining together with a third of the day and night. That doesn't make sense to us, which is a reminder to us that these trumpets are not to be interpreted literally. The point of the fourth trumpet is that the darkness will not be total. Some nations will survive, but many others, the vast majority, will not. And so to sum up, to quote commentators of the Reformation Heritage Study Bible, quote, the first four trumpets symbolize natural and political disasters throughout this age that display God's sovereignty over creation, supremacy over man's idols, and wrath against sin. And as such, these four trumpets serve as a solemn warning to the wicked and unbelieving. They tell us that God is coming in judgment. In fact, he's coming even now. He comes again and again throughout this dispensation. He pours out his judgments upon the wicked and the unbelieving. And therefore the message is repent and believe before it's too late. But these trumpets also serve to provide comfort to the believer. That brings us to our second point. Now at first glance it may seem rather strange to say that these four trumpets can be a comfort for the believer. After all, they produce terrible judgments on the earth. But if we probe a little deeper, we can see that they are a comfort. And that becomes clear when we consider that these judgments parallel the plagues that God sent on the land of Egypt. Now ask yourself the question, why did God send these plagues? Well, partly it was to punish Pharaoh for his stubborn refusal to let the people of Israel go. And, as Paul says in Romans, to manifest his power in Pharaoh that his name might be declared in all the earth. It was also partly to demonstrate his sovereignty over the nations and over their gods. But there's another reason why he sent these plagues. Because it was by means of these plagues that God secured the deliverance of his people. And as such, these trumpets sound the news that while God is coming to judge the wicked and unbelieving, he is also coming to deliver his people. He's coming to set them free. Now what a comfort that must have been to the original readers of this book. We learned previously that when John was writing this book, persecution was on the increase. John himself was banished on the island of Patmos. Christians in various parts of the empire were being rounded up and put to death. But now John tells them that the angels are blowing the trumpets. 
And with each blast of the trumpet, God is saying to the wicked and to the unbelieving world, let my people alone. Let them go. And the longer you delay, the greater your punishment will be. For I will afflict you with judgments far greater and more severe than the judgments I unleashed on the land of Egypt. And you will realize then that I am God and there is no other and every knee must bow to me. Now that same message is true today. We live in an increasingly wicked world. And when you see what's going on around us, it may very well be that we will experience persecution in our own lifetime. But listen, the trumpets are sounding. They're sounding even now. And while they bring great suffering and destruction, they announce to us that God is on his way. He's coming to the rescue. He is sending these judgments to advance his purposes so that he might vindicate his holy name and secure the redemption of his people. Therefore, we have nothing to fear, beloved. In fact, we have every reason to rejoice. Jesus says as much in Luke 21, verse 28. Thereafter, describing the terrible events that will take place prior to his second coming, Jesus says this, Now when these things begin to happen, look up! And lift up your heads. Why? Because your redemption draws near. Look up. Lift up your heads, he says. Why? Because your redemption draws near. Soon the day is coming when all opposition will cease. And the enemies of the Lord and of his people will be routed at last. And we shall live and reign with him forever. You say, how is this possible? Only because of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, he achieved the victory. He did so by suffering and dying on the cross so that sinners like you and me could be set free. And to that end, he marshals all the forces of creation to inflict judgments on the earth and to propel history forward to the day of his second coming. And then, oh yes, then, we shall be free at last. Dear friends, the trumpets are sounding. And one day, on the last day, the walls of the Jericho of this world will come tumbling down. They're tumbling already. And therefore, dear believers, lift up your heads, for your redemption draws near. Amen. Dear friends, it's our great joy to be able to preach to you the Word of God every Sunday on this station. If you are blessed by or have a comment on the message you've heard today, we'd very much appreciate hearing from you. Won't you please take the time to just write us a short note. Our mailing address is Banner of Truth, 3386 Mount Lehman Road. Lehman is spelled L-E-H-M-A-N, and that's in Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. Or you can email us at banneroftruth at frcna.org, and please indicate the call letters of this station. If you take the time to write to us, we'll gladly send you, free of charge, a wonderful booklet entitled Faith of Our Fathers. In this booklet, Pastor Neil Pronk, the former radio pastor of this program for many years, explains the so-called doctrines of grace, and we hope it may be a rich blessing to you and your family. Please note that we do not send out CDs of our radio messages. However, you can access 
and download all of our messages at any time from our website at www.banneroftruthradio.com. Support for this program is provided by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. For more information about our churches, including where you can find a church nearest you, please visit our denominational website at www.frcna.org. Your financial support for this program is always welcome, deeply appreciated. If the Lord has placed in your heart a desire to help us to offset the costs of broadcasting this program on this station, you can send us a check in any amount. Again, our mailing address is 3386 Mount Lehman Road, Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. Thank you for listening, and now until next week, may the Lord be with you all.